Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 257 starts now. I'm your host, Brian. Join me this evening, Mac. The train wreck that is uh, Podcast 257. It is. That is. It's that train wreck. It, it, it is departing platform nine and, nine and three quarters. <laughs> and Mad Cat is with me. I only brush my teeth. Okay. There's some implications there. We'll cover them later. And of course, we have the dumbass himself. The difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 And and stupidity doesn't. And hence this podcast. (laughs) Something like that. Hence this podcast. Can't be just our podcast, but we certainly have our moments, don't we? Lots of them. How is everybody doing? Yeah. Doing. Okay. Yeah, okay, good. I'm at the hospital again. That is a good thing. And you guys just had a Thanksgiving? Yes, we did. We did. That was the after the last podcast day after. Yeah. Do you all did didn't know did you guys get together and, and have Thanksgiving together? No. Mm, no? No. Okay. No. no. We're a little bit far away from each other for so, that. So so it was a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. My father-in-law even came over. It was a, it was a nice, uh, relaxing Thanksgiving at home, not doing anything. There you go. And he didn't have me to bug him. Poor baby. <laughs> this is why it was a good Thanksgiving. In a sense. <laughs> well, ours is coming up next month. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. That is true. And, you know, who knows what what Black Friday will look like in a in a COVID-19 world. Uh, our birthdays are going to suck, yeah. isn't it? It might look like a blackened Friday. Yep. <laughs> Scorched Earth Friday. Uh, yeah, but no, nope, so, yeah, it's true. So, you know, I thought the uh, I thought the smoke and the, the debris in the atmosphere was bad here in Colorado. A friend from Oregon visited and showed me a picture that they took on one of the bad smoke days there. It looked freaking post-apocalyptic. Well, the smoke I, it was, up there. It was, it was, uh, the entire picture was just pretty much orange. Yeah. No, could, couldn't you just sit back, though, and pretend like you're drinking an Isla Scotch? Wouldn't that work? Possibly. <laughs> Chest explosion? Guess not. No. No, it's a different That's type of smoke, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Ian has a book to hawk, and he's not here. Okay. I know. Gargi and Armand on on vacation in education in steam and gear. Available in the adult section of Amazon.com. So these ones have... (laughs) It doesn't say uh, that. (laughs) Steam and gears. uh, Have have any of you read it? I don't know, but you know what grinds my gears. So so, none of us have read it, I think, so uh, we can uh, make up anything we want. Yeah. Yep. Uh Well, I mean, even if we'd read it, we could still make up any want. Exactly. (laughs) So they have cranks on things now for that. <laughs> uh, and Brian, I do know what grinds your gears. No. Oh. It's sand in them. It's sand. Yeah, that'll grind my gears. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> sand is bad. All right. Anyway, it's out. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the others. I've enjoyed the book. And I and I think I bought one of the vacation stories, seems to me. Um I don't remember now. I've got one of them, not this one. Okay. Yeah, I no, I don't think I have this one either. This one was new. Anyway, so yeah, so I've enjoyed them so far, and I think I think that uh, the reader is pretty so, good. Uh, so, let, 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 what happens? Let's make it up. Uh, okay, so this is going to be steampunk, I imagine. Oh yeah, so, like maybe sure. uh, maybe they travel to an alternate uh, steampunk universe. Well, I mean that's easy to do. It is an interdimensional hotel, so you can go to any dimension you want. Yeah, 
True. Exactly. And they ride some uh, great big dildos that have cranks on them. Uh, there we go. Wow. Yep. I'm thinking Armand's not as much into that as Georgie. Probably. I mean, Probably. I bet they both look awesome in aviator goggles. Well, they pro- I imagine that's true. How could they not? They look awesome in pretty much anything, so. <laughs> oh, 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 they're chasing uh they're chasing time bandits time bandits nice yeah and the uh the dildo they're riding it is like uh what's his name uh oh that car um uh kit huh kit <laughs> yeah kit, you know yeah. from night rider it's like kit they take kit and put kit's voice into that one oh. hmm. all right okay no, no. I think I think a show about uh, about uh, uh, a female cop and her crime fighting uh, talking dildo would be amazing. <laughs> Is that anything like Laboon Girl? Oh, you know, boy. that could probably happen on FX. <laughs> After all, they have Archer. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. Well, we better move on. Do we know what time it is? Are we not going to? Uh, oh. Do the moment of respect or whatever. Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, no, for James Randi. Well, so with the two awful deaths. So, yeah, so James Randi. This one, yeah, I mean, he was 92. I missed that in there. Nin- 92 years old when he passed away. And, and, wow. And, I mean, and so I have, I have several of his books. In fact, from right here, I can see Flim Flam. And the other one that I, I have, have of his is The Faith Healers. So, I mean, certainly a guy who spent a lot of time investigating... Um, paranormal claims and, you know, and, uh, and, and certainly powers people claim to have. I think one of my favorite, um, my favorites is what is the, uh, stuff he did on Johnny Carson where he, um, he exposed Peter Popoff. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that, that was amazing. Yep. Um, the other one that he did on Johnny Carson that I liked was, um, they had, um, all those, those faith healers in, um, was it Thailand where, where people were going to get, the the fake medicine and he showed how the how they did that um, on the Johnny Carson show so he, he oh, exposed cool. that and it was um it was that that's the Andy Kaufman was the one that um uh you know he was the comedian and and I think that he went to Thailand to get a healing there and and uh, I think he discovered what they were doing isn't that, isn't that the isn't that the case Mac I'm not sure okay. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. So he, he exposed the the um, I think it was I think it was the Thailand faith faith healers. And they would use stuff like you know um, chicken parts and stuff like that. And you know they would they they would you know this they would show pulling the cancer or whatever it is out of the person, right? And of course you know so so it gets bloody and messy. And then of course when they're done, you know they 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 do this thing and you know it healed you know it's healed right back up. They they went you know they pulled all this stuff out of you. And then you know of course it was it was just sleight of hand. It was just sleight of hand tricks that they were doing, and a lot of people yeah. were falling for it. Um, so he you know he exposed that. Um, of course, you know, there's, you know, and we, and we, of course, did, we, we at one point did this too with the homeopathy where he ate all the, uh, sleeping pills, you know, and mm-hmm. he's doing this, you know, in it, but just before he, you know, he, he's, you know, about to be interviewed about something and, you know, he's eating these pills and he, I ate all these sleeping pills. If they worked, I should be asleep. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing of it is if he'd only taken one, he would be asleep, but he, since he took all of those, they counteracted. He, yeah. he lessened the effectiveness. He, he overdid it. It's homeopathy, you know. He, yeah, he yeah. should have only taken one. By the way, am I hearing? Uh, am I hearing Odin in the background? Uh maybe. Yeah, he's. I have to go. I have to go cover him too. See if he gets oh, no, I, uppity. He's fine. 
I, I just, I thought it was nice hearing him. So, so yeah, so I got to meet James Randy. He came, he, we came to Colorado to do a, a presentation at, um, uh, uh, Boulder University at the University of Boulder. C or mm-hmm. CU. Yeah, he, he really got around. Yeah, so so it was cool. So we got to go out to dinner with him, and I got to sit right next to him, and it was it was the most awesome thing because he was he was doing. A, I mean, he's constantly doing magic tricks. He can't help himself. You know, <laughs> he he he's shake your hand, and, and silverware falls out. You know, I mean, I mean, I, and I don't know that that place ever got all their silverware back. It, it, you know, it's it's questionable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he probably left with a pocket full of silverware. Um, and uh, but I he so as he was doing tricks though I would only watch his hands right I'd never make eye contact with him he didn't care he just did the he just did the tricks so I still couldn't see what he's doing he was he was I mean he he was a f- phenomenal magician he wasn't a sleight of hand magician necessarily but he was still very good at it um, you know of course escape artists and stuff like that that was his big thing um, yeah uh, and I, he like like I think he got around a lot and he was like so accessible. Um, just like, uh, with, with, with other celebrities, I see who passed away, like people will, uh, uh, post, uh, the, uh, the news article or whatever on their timeline. There'll be like some sad face reactions. Um, but, but with James Randi, just like everybody is posting, uh, the picture they took of with him. Yeah. 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 Mine's I, on I, my I, Facebook. See so many pictures of, uh, of, of the pictures that people have taken with him. Uh, on Facebook because that that's just everything that people are posting right. Yeah, cuz he got around and he was and he and like he was one of these celebrities and I I'd say he was a celebrity that he was still just a normal guy when you went, when you went and talked to him. He he would just have a conversation with you. He loved to tell stories about, you know, about Isaac Asimov and stuff like that and because I think that they were pretty good friends and so he would talk about the stuff he did on um Space Odyssey 2001. Right, he got to, he, you know, he was part of that, and he was, uh, I mean, he was just, he was just a really personal, easy guy to talk to. Um, so you know, down to earth. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, he was, he, he, he never was. I don't know. He was, he, yeah. I only got to meet him the once, I suppose. But I mean, he was, he, he would, but he would talk to anybody. He didn't care. I think uh, most of us uh, in the skeptics community have really had time to. Uh, kind of uh gird ourselves for that like we knew it was coming not too far away it was inevitable uh, 92 years old right so yeah. um but yeah like a, I, I remember like talking to somebody i think possibly on our facebook page like a few years ago and, and uh from what he was saying it was like uh he was like he it seemed like he assumed that uh, james randy was already dead and i had to tell him no no he's still with us <laughs> and, and that's something that, that you would assume i guess uh, uh knowing how old he would be that oh he's probably dead by now if you haven't been uh, paying attention or anything yeah so I don't know if his foundation goes on without him or not. Um, so the JREF, the James Randi Educational Foundation. Do you know? I, I assume that he made preparations for it to continue after his death. I mean, they 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 wound back a lot of the stuff that they were doing. Right, they stopped doing TAM. Um, you know, years ago, and then of course, you know, they stopped doing the million dollar prize. And um, and they, oh, they, they stopped that. Yeah, they stopped that. Yeah. Oh. It says here, effective uh, September 1st, 2015, the JREF made a major change, uh, including coverage of marketing foundation and no longer accepts applications for a million-dollar prize. So that was 2015. Yeah, that, so That was the big deal. I would have assumed that yeah. you would have put somebody in charge of that to continue that in perpetuity. Well, it was being done. I mean, it did get taken on by some other people for a while, right? Um, but not. They, they stopped it in 2015. So five years ago, they stopped that. All right, so I'm going to throw the ultimate skeptic comment out. Oh, boy. He is an escape artist, right? (laughs) 
how do we know that this is not one last big escape trick? That would be funny. I think he's just moved to the next OT level, and he'll continue to work on it, and he has really left us. I mean, um, I, I talked to him uh, uh, in the afterlife. <laughs> um, he says that uh, uh, he's doing well, and... Um, and that uh, the the dead people have a lot of really strange beliefs and, and uh, weird uh, ways of thinking that he's uh, still fighting the good fight. So he's going to try to uh, prove to them that living is not uh, something that's ever happened. <laughs> no, that he he's he lived his life, and then that's it. That's the end. But he has. Well, he, the end, the, well I mean, yeah, it is. It's the end. But his, 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 you know, what he's done lives on, right? What he, what he gave to the Septus community, you know, the idea is that, you know, that he, he was never a debunker, that he was always an investigator, just looking for the proof. That lives on, right? Those mentalities that, that he taught us live on, right? How to, how to, how to, how to continue to be a skeptic and skeptic and be, you know, be above board and, and you know, and to, and to remember to be humble. It goes on. True. That's how that's how James Randi lives on. I think a lot of times we go into things skeptically with preconceived notions. That's very true too. We 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 go into the with the with the notion that you know this can't be right, so we look why it's not right, and maybe we should uh, maybe we should remind ourselves that sometimes it is what it is. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes things deserve. Uh, a little more consideration as to whether they're they're true or not. So very true, and sometimes you just leave it be because it's too explosive. Yeah, but anyway, so I mean, so he was a yeah. I mean, he he made an impression on a lot of people, including me. You know, get for for me. I mean, there's not a lot of people that I've met that I was like, okay, that was you know fulfilling. Uh, meeting Chance Rowdy was one of those things. Hmm. Anyway, shall we move on to uh, more pleasant topics? Yes, let's move on to more pleasant topics. Now, Mad Cat, what time is it? Oh, my. <clears throat> I would say that it is time for In and Dumbass's Masturbation Moment. Brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment. Brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire. Bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. Very nice. Classed it up a little bit, didn't you? Huh? You classed it up a little bit, didn't you? I just Don't decided worry. to be a little different. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. We'll fix it, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back down. I got a couple of things here. Some of these were fun. Uh, so I, I put in one here. Scientists have figured out what makes women attractive. Basically, what makes I mean, and but and, uh, and that was boobs. interesting. Yeah, the first. But I think that the the one that that's more interesting that we can actually talk about is the um, twelve scientifically proven ways to make yourself more attractive to the opposite sex. And uh, this is you know not not just for you know the single people. I mean, it's you know you can use these you know just in your everyday life to make yourself more pleasant. I think you got that, dumbass. So are these just basic charisma tips then? Rather these than, are. So uh, what, what I like about these tips is that they're actionable, right? They are like, so the, the, the first article that I put in there talks about hip, the woman's hip to weight, hip to waist ratio. Okay. Sure. Maybe diet can affect that, but 
you know, it, some of these things, some of the things that that they brought in there aren't actionable, right? There's not much you can do about that. And I mean, uh, you, uh, different people will probably like different uh, hip to waist ratios too. It's not like uh, there's. I mean, there might be a lowest common denominator. Well, these what, are general, uh, right? These are in general. Yeah. That that's what they were saying, right? So yeah, so I, you're I right. I think that uh, dumbass, you may need to refer back to the Newtonian uh, hip hip constant. Hip hip hooray. Yes. <laughs> All right, but so these ones are 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 the twelve things that people can do to make themselves more attractive to the opposite sex. And the first one is keep those teeth white. And I think that this works. Pearly white. Yeah, pearly white. I don't know. I never notice people's teeth. I do. I but I think that I think that the problem is that they can be too white and they can look scary. <laughs> it's like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you been over- using that? You overdid it. I mean, if, if a person if a person's teeth aren't uh, really uh, heavily stained or anything, I just won't notice. Sure, I, and that's fine too. It yeah. seems like a weird thing for me for people to focus on at all. Okay, this one I think is bullshit, but okay. Eat fruits and vegetables for a for glowing skin. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what gives what you the fuck. Skin. I want that, that one. It's actually something called. Radium. I mean, if if they're grown in radium, maybe. <laughs> Wow, we were both right there with the Marie Curie joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. This one sounds, I mean, whatever. Oh, my God, this next one. Oh, yeah. Women should smile more. I I, I actually hate this because it's something that, you know, they they tell to young women. Oh, you should smile more. Go fuck yourself. I hate that. You know, I can't can't believe I can't believe in 2020 they're saying this after like people have been making fun of people saying this for like 2020. This is this is common thing. How are Um, people saying? uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Women should smile more. The articles from 2013. (laughs) Considering that that women often smile defensively, so that essentially they they fend off somebody who's likely to hurt them by smiling at them. Uh, saying women should smile more is not cool. Here, this, no. this, oh, but but they're, they're, they're aware of this, even in 2013, because the first sentence of this thing is, turns out there's a reason that creep on the street is always asking you to smile. Oh, God. So, so they're aware that it's a creepy thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, the, it gets worse. This next one is just as bad. Uh, yeah, it's not worse. Guys need to brew it a little more. Guys need to brew it a little more. Oh my god! Oh wow! Uh, we're we're <laughs> scientifically we're scientifically supporting the the bad boy, huh? So as they're brooding, they're telling other women to smile more. Well, they're telling women to smile more as they're brooding, right? The men are supposed to brood. Here, here's another terrible one. Women should play dumb if they're looking for a fling. Fling. Well, okay, maybe if they're looking for a fling, but fuck. Are you kidding me? This idea of telling women to to, to play dumb is fucking bullshit. Garbage. Yeah. This, this is a garbage one, I article. Saw, I saw an article to uh, that that kind of disputes that uh, just uh, earlier today. Okay, guys should uh, shave guy... their beards. No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw no. I saw an, an article just earlier today saying that. Uh, uh, women find uh, men with uh, uh, facial hair more attractive and manly. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I believe that that was actually proven by uh, by a scientist by the name of Nicholas Offerman. <laughs> Here, here's another one. Women should also keep red lipstick handy. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, always the red That's... lipstick. 
Men, that's cultural. That's not. That's not scientific. That's not, that's cultural. None of these are scientific. You know, these I've are, always thought that red lipstick looks kind of clownish. It doesn't really seem that attractive to me. It depends on the skin tone. Men should men should play hard to get. Well, we've pulled yeah. women long enough to play hard to get. Men, you play hard to get too. And if you're both playing hard to get, then you'll go home alone. This sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> Men play hard to get. It's a simple factor. Can get another one. <laughs> That's right. If I didn't have I you, I'd have somebody else. You know, uh, I played uh, hard to get in the in the factor that uh, I uh, don't really, uh, I'm not really looking for uh, any kind of sexual re- relationship. Uh, at the moment, and I kind of ignore cues to that extent. It it, it hasn't worked out for me getting any uh, extra sexual attention, really. All right, guys should pick up shirts with a T. We're not kidding. What the Just fuck? A T on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, twelve percent more oh, eff- attractive. Okay, uh, uh, I'd like to look up this study that says the uh, black letter T makes you twelve percent more attractive because I have a feeling. That See if you can find it. It's in the Daily Fail. Noise. Look, the link to this is the Daily Fail. Right. I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Twelve percent seems pretty low. I'm, I have a feeling it's just statistical noise. Probably I would imagine that's like true. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I guess I can see kind of where they're coming from. That the T makes them look. It's like the illusion of uh, uh, vertical stripes making you look slimmer. <laughs> Whereas, um, okay, um, horizontal stripes make you look in prison. But nothing. Okay, now this one might actually be. Um, true. I think I've seen this other places. Women should use a higher pitch voice. I think that in particularly in, in Chinese cultures, the, the, the high pitch voice on women is considered to be more attractive. There actually might be something to this one. But I think if a woman is going out of her way to change the pitch of her voice, I think that she's probably going the wrong direction. And there's a limit. Yeah. You know, if it's a high pitch voice that etches glass, that's not. Ni hao! Ni hao! If she sounds like Mickey Mouse, then it stops being <laughs> Men need to take a deep breath and relax. Sure, why well, not? Yeah, I mean, okay. I, that's probably that. That that's fine. We we can get behind that one. Relax. Let's Don't do it when you want to come. Yeah, we know. We've heard. And everyone should go for a ride on a roller coaster. What? what? This is a gar- okay. How did I, I? I put this in here, and uh, I I was trying. Uh, it's garbage. You know, there is actually a, a study on that. Uh, that they, they did like a study where the uh, on a uh, swaying uh, bridge, uh, as opposed to on a uh, uh, a regular sturdy bridge, and found that uh, there seemed to be uh, more sexual attraction uh, to the opposite okay. sex yeah. when because because like they 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 equate uh, the arousal of fear uh, close to the arousal of attraction. Okay, well maybe okay there could be something there. Either that or the women just feel sorry for the guy puking afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the thing about these kind of like uh, humdrum, like just uh, garbage chips, uh, they're, 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 they're like, if you're dating, they're, they're trying to like uh, basically uh, just, you're, you're trying to attract a common denominator. Like, this is what girl girls like, this is what men like, you, you should go for this, but it's like, um, sure, you, you, maybe uh, you'll be able to get in uh, if you try some of these tricks uh, more people initially if you're aiming for the common denominator. But, I mean, like, the, the real thing is you, you learn what uh, the person you're trying to attract is into um, and, you know, like, uh, show some interest in that. And um, 
if they like you to do a certain thing or act a certain way, I mean, like, I, I'm not saying that you should, like, uh, rewrite your personality for them, but, you know, like, if uh, if they like uh, you to do a certain thing, there's uh, nothing wrong with playing that up a little bit. What's Be specific. Part? I'm taking notes. All right. But, yeah, I don't think there's any one way to attract uh, to attract a person. Um <laughs> Uh, that it you you've got to focus on people as individuals. Right? I st- I still think that honesty is probably the the best way to go about this. I mean, if, if you're doing any of these, one surefire way to attract a person. Alaska? It depends on how much iron they've got in their blood, but <laughs> magnets right. will do it. No, that's not true. Our, the blood's not ferrous. Triple. Sorry. No, I think that I think that I think that a lot of these things encourage people, and I think we see this a lot with Cosmo articles and stuff like that. That encourages people to try and be somebody they're not, right? If you're not a smiley person, you're not a smiley person. Trying to attract somebody by smiling, by by doing that you're is false pretending. advertising, right? It, I mean, it, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you should be honest to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, if you're smiling to attract people, it's not going to be a real smile. Well. If you're smiling because you're happy, that's a real smile. And that's actually attractive. What are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody to go home with that night? Or are you looking for somebody, you know, to, you know, to spend the rest of your life with? I guess I guess it depends on your agenda. I saw a I watched a movie. Um, that's not news, I know, but I watched a movie. It was called Save Yourself, <laughs> and basically the whole deal was that these two people started off a started off a with a conversation and just kind of went went through the conversation and they just continued to talk as long as they were as long as they were interested in each other. And, but the whole thing started off is, you know, essentially he, he approached her in the first place and she said, okay, um, are you looking to get laid or you want to get married? And he, he stopped and she said, okay, when you come up with an answer for that, come talk to me. So he came in and he said, he got down on one knee and said, okay, I've decided I want to marry you. She's like, are you serious? He says, well, no, you only gave me two choices. So I'm going with the, I'm going with the one that hopefully leads to a longer conversation. <laughs> and she says, okay, okay. You've got me intrigued now. We'll, I, we will continue talking. It turned out to be a really interesting move. So the next thing I've got in here is a fr- from the Feringula blog. Uh, no, Freeflot blogs. They have an advertisement for Frigula. Never mind. It says, sex toy or religious artifact. This thing is fantastic. Let me play just a second of this because, it. Does, I mean, it's so, it's, it's, it is a fleshy robotic mouth and penises. Think about it. It is so weird. Hey, did you guys look at this at all? Howard said, What's that? I said, I looked at it and I came to the same conclusion that it's very, very weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Is it a sex it's, toy? Would you want to put your mouth, put your penis in there? I'm not so sure. Not mine. Maybe yours. Not mine. Anyway, I thought that, I thought that was pretty funny. Howard sent that to us. So I threw that in there. But what I really want to talk about is teledildonics, which is, oh. which is essentially the idea that, that, you have a sex toy that somebody on the other end of a telephone or internet can control. Um, the the so the other um, the other name that, that that they give it is uh, cyber dildonics. According to the uh, according to PC Magazine's Encyclopedia of Terms, not uh, accurate. N- not accurate. Yeah, it would only be accurate that way if it was being used on the Cybertronians. <laughs> 
Yes, cyber. When we talk about cyber, we're talking about the internet. Yeah. You know, the internets. You know, nobody gets hacked. You don't. You don't get hacked. You don't get hacked. You don't get hacked. He, a hacker is. He weighs four hundred pounds. He's got an IQ of one hundred ninety-five, and they've already got to have fifteen percent of your password. Nobody. Nobody gets hacked. Sorry. Okay, where is that one? Donald Trump said that. Oh. And okay. he's so wrong because I barely tip three hundred. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. He made an ass of himself, and boy, that one really pissed off the security community. Because what a not, stupid thing I to say. Not, What's that? I'm not believe you're even close to three pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I don't even. I I think I barely make one sixty five, <laughs> maybe one seventy. I don't know. No, I don't even. Not even close. You're right. Total lie. He's totally wrong. Even wronger. It was a huge lie. So I I have a couple of things in here. Okay, so. IoT. Do you guys? Do you guys? When I say IoT, the Internet of Things, do you understand what I'm talking about? So, like, beep inside. Well, no, like Alexa is is considered an IoT device. If you have if you have light bulbs that you can turn on and off using Alexa, the, the, the your light bulbs are IoT devices, right? They all are you connecting can to the internet. In order to call for pizza after you have sex. Right. Exactly. That is it. That is an IoT device. That, yeah. And unfortunately, that that particular sex toy is not in this lineup. Okay, okay, so what if so, you have uh, what if you have something that automatically automatically speaks to Alexa and orders things you didn't order? Yeah, that's called children. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's called it's called African Grays. African Grays that'll work too. Yep, I I do like to say you know if, if somebody has an Alexa in their house and you go in and you say hey Alexa and I, I'm using the word so hopefully hopefully none of you had it order me a fifty gallon jug of lube. Keep Alexa busy. Okay. So anyway, anyway, so we, so, but now, so our sex toys are, are becoming aware of the, um, of the internet. And the first one that I have here is, 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 uh, it is a male chastity device called the cellmate. And it is a, um, I, I think that it's Bluetooth seems to me that is a, it's a, it's a Bluetooth device. Um, but I and then the but the application connects can connect to the internet, and the it's the application in and of itself that has a vulnerable API. Apparently, the API has no password on it, meaning that that anybody who just happened to be happened to find your I, I think that uh, uh, if they, if they saw the app on your phone they, and they were able to they could connect to it that they would be able to lock the cellmate permanently, and you'd never be able to get it off. Um, without taking, you know, a uh, some sort of uh, cutting device to it to the to the emergency room. Yeah, um, I, I think actually the uh, this so the article I have in here is from the Verge, but I think that the one that was better, um, they took a few more pot shots at it. Uh, it was a little more humorous. Was from um, mm, I forget which one it was. Okay, hey uh, Brian. Okay, yeah. I just got an email from one of our uh, one of our listeners. And apparently he's already listened to this podcast, so this may be from the future. He's talking about uh, something, though, about the uh, how the sex toys, when they were enabled with AI, they actually formed JackNet and uh, wiped out a, lar- a large part of the race. Hey, you didn't ask him who won the election? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> you didn't ask him something important? Anyway. I, you know, as far as the election goes... What I know is that if you have an election lasting more than four hours, you should contact your doctor. 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, so this so it's a so this this is a Bluetooth device. So they also at one point covered a Bluetooth butt plug that also had that also had problems. This is from Ten Test Partners. So this is this is a security firm that that went through and did and and, and did an audit of the device and found a vulnerable API. They contacted the company that sells it and did got no response. So what, what generally what happens is. They, they these these companies that um that are doing this kind of stuff they will reach out to to the people and say hey you've you've got this vulnerability and give them an opportunity to fix it well they they never got back to them they never fixed it and so they finally came out and and they they you know they they were decided to let people know about it because other researchers had found the same problem yeah. and this is a big problem with with this these kinds of things and um, people will um, refer to the basically it's you know the, these devices are, are being put out there and they're not really being um, the, the security is not in mind when they're putting these things out people are you know the people that are doing them have have another agenda right I mean they, they have uh, and the security piece of it is is very much secondary and in with the cellmate that's a big problem right? Um, it can also uh, it can also reveal um, your location and a whole bunch of other information too that that you put into that application. Um, there's another one that that another uh, another hold, one that had a similar flaw. Right. So I'm I'm picturing right now an email from somebody, um, you know, basically like uh, one of those ransomware emails, except it, <laughs> it involves the uh, the cellmate. If you ever so, want your penis you know, back. Yep. So you're going to be uh, on your way to go buy some iTunes gift cards for somebody. <laughs> um, so I, I have another one on here, and it's all the all these are are generally um, it's generally uh, you know an application that that is uh, leaking a whole bunch of information. Um, and this next one does the same thing that I've got on here. It, it leaked a, it leaked a, has a clerical flaw and released a whole bunch of information. So any information you put into the application, plus you know your whereabouts and stuff like that, and and um, if you're if you're sending each other messages through these apps, they're not secure, and those those can leak out through these applications. Um, and, and I just got a whole bunch of them on here now. And the other problem is that a lot of these are Chinese manufacturers, and it's harder to go after them. There there um, there's another one that is a um, Canadian manufacturer. Yay! And, yeah. Um, and they actually the the actually the, the their vibrators look pretty cool. Um, they actually look like they have a a um, a good um, product. Um, it's the Wee Vibe, <clears throat> and so they were fined three million dollars for for leaking um, information. Um, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully they fixed it. I'm not sure why they were. F I mean, I'm not sure if they didn't respond um, correctly to to the hack or what happened. But I th I think that people need to be aware that th that anytime you're putting information to these kinds of devices and they can they seem like you know i mean they, they could be kind of sexy having an iot device you know that that somebody else is controlling you know and for for people that are you know uh, distance couples and stuff like that you know there could it, be some interesting things here is it the danger factor though too well i don't think so i don't think that people are thinking about about the danger factor when they're considering these devices no they're just just considering what they can do for them and right don't think of anything else about it it's just oh this is neat let's get it yeah so i think that people need to be real real careful when they're when they're looking at these devices one you need to know where the manufacturer is if if you're buying a bluetooth chassis device that can only be unlocked 
by you know by an application and the manufacturers only has a presence in China. There's not mm. much recourse here in the U.S. for them at that point, right? I, I don't know what the recourse is for um, for you know people who end up locked in this device. And um, now the company did find some overrides, and and you know using you can pop the front out and you can use a battery to you know to unlock it. But there's no physical unlock for that device, um, so you have to hack it in order to get it to unlock. Um, now they found they of course found the way to do it. They put out a video for it, but the manufacturer didn't. The manufacturer said nothing. It's a Chinese manufacturer that has said nothing about the product. Yeah, um, and I think Canadian, at least the Canadian manufacturer with the vibrator said sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unfortunate though that they had to be that 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 they ended up paying a fine of three million dollars. I think that it would have been far better for them, number one, to responsibly disclose disclose the problem. And if somebody contacted them and said, Yeah, hey, I've got an issue, get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm imagining that, that part of the reason that they got a fine is because they didn't because they didn't acknowledge the problem, right? I mean, I, uh, I, I read an uh, article a few years back, and I found this hilarious. I was kind of like on the floor laughing. It's, it's not sex toys, but it has to do with um, a, uh, uh, a web-connected uh, baby monitoring camera, um, and somebody managed to hack in. And it, uh, I found it hilarious, but this was obviously like uh, concerning for the parents, but somebody had hacked in and was uh, pretty much shouting and swearing at their baby. Oh. <laughs> okay. And and the thing about it too is the baby was deaf. <laughs> so so the guy's like yelling I don't know I I'm picturing like fuck you baby <laughs> just yelling at this baby completely uselessly. Well, I'm wondering if maybe he didn't start off by yelling swear words at the baby. Maybe he maybe he started off just curious and trying to get the baby to respond and when he couldn't get the baby to respond that's when he escalated into anger i don't know i, I we have to see the article i mean that that's yeah. unfortunately though i mean it, yeah no harm done in that case but there's and potential for harm there the, the thing also had a speaker that you could interact with the baby so, yeah. right yeah it's a two-way radio yeah so i don't know it's a, they, they i mean i think that the we vibe I assume that they fixed the the information, you know, disclosure issue with their product, and hopefully, when they have the next one, because with with this kind of software, it's a matter of when, not if. I mean, you unless you're baking security into these things from the beginning and really thinking about how you're transmitting the data and stuff like that. Well, you know, even if okay, Windows, Microsoft puts out a security patch every Tuesday. That means that somebody found something vulnerable in that time frame. So basically there's there's some number of vulnerabilities found even in in Windows operating system in a week's time. So True. and considering that that's you know that's their bread and butter right there, how much more likely is a sex toy to have, you know, if a sex toy has better security than Microsoft then then Although, you know, uh, and, uh, to put it into context, Windows is uh, uh, quite a bit more complicated than uh, whatever uh, code the sex toy right. is running on. It, 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 uh, this sex toy, if, if, you look at, if, if you look at a chat, a chat application, like um, what's the one that Brazil is always pissed about? That, um, that, um, but it uses the signal, um, the, the signal encryption protocol. It's already developed for them. Right, and potentially that that whatever whatever they're doing, they could use the signal protocol to to to, um, to encrypt stuff end to end and send it that way. It's already done, and they could potentially potentially do it. 
and and probably have less issues if they were to do something like that. Microsoft is a, Microsoft is a, is a big complicated animal, and their security is actually quite good now. We've recent, I mean, and recently, you know, the the issues that we are, that we're seeing with Microsoft, um, you know, like uh, with uh, RDP access and stuff like that. Some of that's COVID related because people put an insecure protocol on the internet that never should have been live like that, right? That should have been always through a, through a VPN tunnel, and was until all of a sudden they they needed to figure something out. The um, biggest problem is is that there's always going to be hackers. Well, but here's the thing: that find something new, that's more fun for. But them. but people. But people aren't hacking Microsoft Windows as much anymore, right? That's not the most vulnerable but, part of Windows. No, I, the the not, browser I is. I didn't really specifically mean Windows. I'm yeah. meant for sex toys but, and everything else. Right, but the browser in 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 our home computers, the browser is the is the number one vector for getting infected, right? They're not hacking yeah. the operating system directly anymore. They're they're sending you they're sending you an email, right? That you and then you end up doing something stupid on your machine. I shouldn't say stupid. I mean, you get you get tricked into doing something you shouldn't, and that's how yep. they get in, right? They're they're not hacking it directly. They might be exploiting a flaw that that isn't that hasn't been corrected yet. But but Microsoft has come a long way in 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 you know in fixing what sure the, everything that they do. They they really do a good job, and they're and they're transparent about what they're doing, unlike Apple. Yeah, but any anything that people put out on the market that deals with the internet, they should. Uh, try to make sure that there are procedures in it to set up so that people can't hack into them. However, there's always going to be hackers and sooner or later someone will get into it anyway. Right. And then, and, then, and when that happens, you need responsible <coughs> disclosure, right? You need to exactly. let the people know that we're harmed, right? And if they had done that, they probably wouldn't have the fine. But the other exactly. thing, to, I mean, look at what happened to Zoom. Zoom was probably now one of the most secure um, you know, applications for, for, you know, for talking and, and communicating back and forth because, you know, all of a sudden they you know, they, they grew huge in popularity and had to clean up their act, right? They, they, they got exposed just because all of a sudden now everybody's using their product. So I, I, I fear that if, if something like that were to, ha- if, if all of a sudden the, the stigma behind sex toys went away and these, and these became extremely popular, you, you, they'd have another huge disclosure problem. Mm-hmm. And three million. I don't know. I don't know what this company is making. Well, I'm really confused about that. With them being ca- Canadian, usually the Canadians. We well, they were sued in the U.S. They were sorry and things. Yeah, they were sued in the U.S. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it was still a disclosure. They disclosed, you know, American information and Canadian information, and you know, whoever else was using it. Illinois. It was a court in Illinois. I don't know. I kind of, I, I, I kind of feel like this fine might be low. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what all happened here. I don't know how uh, if they, if they just didn't disclose responsibly. Um, but it sounds like so people that were using the application, can, they, they would, they're going to get about seven hundred, seven thousand four hundred and forty-six dollars for each user that was using the application. And then if the people just bought, if they, if they, if they made a claim and they just had the um, the vibrator but didn't but didn't use the app, they're still going to get one hundred ninety-nine dollars. So basically, the cost of the device they can get back. Uh, so they say they call this a landmark ruling, um, questioning security of IoT devices. I mean, it's a huge problem. We saw we saw problems with you know people's light bulbs. How, how do these things get updated? Do you guys know how to update uh, you know all the devices in your house? If you have to go do it manually, I know how to update light bulbs. 
Your bulbs? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I yeah, a lot of you unscrew. Well, there's that. I mean, I I have I, for I about have... half the year, my clock showed the wrong time. <laughs> oh, a twelve o'clock flasher, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about daylight savings time. Oh. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't change the clock for it? Yeah. I, I thought you were one of those people whose clock always flashed 12, 12 o'clock flasher. Well, then it would be, you know, it would be that he his clock would be showing the wrong time, like 11, 11 hours a day. Anyway. Usually it's weird with our clocks. Eh? If we put on a clock and leave it and don't change the time, somehow it goes to 3 o'clock. Oh, my God. We've only to. Oh, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on. But we got uh, obviously I'm gonna have to trim some of this up. Anyway, be careful. Be careful with these devices. Have fun though. They can be a lot. I mean, they could be a lot of fun, but you got to be careful about the, about personal information you're putting into them because because the security on them is not good. And what you connect them to for personal information. Well, I mean that's the whole thing, right? I mean it, it, <laughs> they can find your location and stuff like that. It's not good. Be careful. Well, you don't want to connect it to Steam. <laughs> No, but you wouldn't connect these to Steam, right? I mean, you know the, that that brings up a, a, another another thought to my head. Twitter. I mean, like uh, obviously with these things going through the internet, they're going through some sort of uh, dedicated server uh, that that is like relaying the messages to their device or something. Um, what what happens? I, you you lose your functionality when that uh, website goes down, right? Potentially, I don't know how these devices work, but I would imagine that yeah, they're going through the through the um, application developers. And if the company ever goes out of business, then uh, you can't operate it anymore. It, it that's probably true. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, that's another like, that's another potential issue. Unless you find some sort of hack or something. Well, maybe you can. I, I don't know, but if probably or the server goes down. But probably there, the, the device calls out to a website, right? And and, and then it interacts through that site. The website is gone. I don't well, have hey, one, so I don't know. I mean that 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 would be an interesting thing to know is how, how they work. So, all right, what do we want? What do we want to touch on next here? Mm-hmm. I think that we ought to let dumbass tell us why mm-hmm. more. Why not to put why why we can't put oh Bermuda Triangle myths? Let's do that, dumbass. Yeah, I came across this article. Um, basically, uh, it's another proposal for the supposed mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Now, uh, for those of uh, you uh, not in the know about the Bermuda Triangle, um, I I imagine everybody has heard of the Bermuda Triangle, but it's basically being debunked long ago. Turns out that that area, uh, the so-called Bermuda Triangle, is no more likely to have uh, any kind of uh, shipwrecks or disappearance in it. Uh, It's all just um, a lot of talk. Uh, A lot of the cases that they say are so mysterious are pretty much easily uh, explained. It's myth-mongering. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, myth, it's myth-mongering. Um, and uh, there, are, there are just a lot of wrong stuff said about it. But there is this new proposal by, uh, by meteorolo- meteorologists talking about the Bermuda Triangle and claiming that it's caused by certain types of clouds that uh, can... They're saying hexagonal clouds that can create 170 mile per hour quote, air bombs full of wind. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's and, also, that's also a like hurricane, so. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, they um, like they kind my, of, like, they, they've got this picture here mapping them out. I don't know how they determined that they're hexagonal and not circular. They they put a hexagon over this, but, I mean, they're clouds. Uh, they, they don't form straight lines. So, like, calling them hexagonal seems weird. David would know whether they do or not. So here's here's what I'm I'm wondering. 
are, are these like microburst types of types of phenomenon? Um, so that's I a mean, phenomenon that's... that actually I think that can actually take out planes, where a plane might be flying underneath something, and all of a sudden it'll get hit by a microburst that'll that'll you know thrust right thrust it down or up, right? Mm-hmm. And and this sounds like it could be a similar type of thing. They're calling it an air bomb, but but it's, but I mean, is it is it something that happens extremely fast, like a microburst? I mean, that's a, that's what it sounds like they're implying to me. Apparently, they they don't have much data on it, so like it's just like kind of a, a proposal that they're putting out there. Really, there's no evidence that uh, any of the uh, uh, supposed disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle were ever caused by something like this. So it's kind of just like out of nowhere uh, based on uh, the satellite images that uh, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not sure that uh, hexagonal is the right term at all. Yeah, that seems uh, like it might be that, that might have been a pareidolia there. Oh no, it looks like yeah. a map. The hexagons look like little map things. We're, we're actually in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. I hmm. think I think part of the deal with the Bermuda Triangle, though, is that is that stuff goes down there and nobody knows why. But that's not. So, but it's not true. Is the thing, right? You're you're more you're no more likely to find a uh, a shipwreck inside of that triangle than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. But it is. You know, it's like you said. It is myth mongering. So. Yeah. But here's the thing: is that it, even if this is true, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the, I can see where this might take down a plane. A microburst like this. I'm not sure how it sinks a ship, mm-hmm. an air bomb that's sinking a ship. Maybe I guess maybe if it could. I mean, I, I guess the I guess the implication is that it whips up the waves enough that yeah. it just sinks the ship. But maybe I guess. Oh, I mean, if I mean, formed. like, uh, uh, you think about uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Nobody talks that really talks about it anymore because, like, all of the weird, mysterious disappearances happened. Like, what in the '60s? Right, exactly. Um, and with that's because we, we've got we we've got like uh, radar, radios, and yeah. uh, satellite phones and stuff these days. You you you're almost never out of contact uh, with shore. You know, if if you go down, people know uh, probably why and where. Exactly. We we're much better about tracking tracking ships now, right? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so you know, if, if that uh, air bomb becomes an air torpedo, it could potentially sink the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or an air depth charge, <laughs> or if it whips up, whips up the waves into a kind of bomb, or a uh, or a or an uh, airbender, an airbender. Yeah. <laughs> but how many people go through there nowadays? Anyway, I thought it was avoided even since even now since the. Oh no, it's uh, it's a it, it's still a ships uh, go through there all the time. Okay, possible. A lot of the stuff that went down there were. During war and Cold War, uh, one of the items they mentioned in there was from World War II. At least yeah. one of them. Mm. They mentioned the Flight 19, and that was that was World War II. Uh, yeah. USS Cyclops, I think, was also World War. Oh, so 1918. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So interesting. Yeah, a lot of those they wouldn't have been able to, uh, like you guys said. I mean, uh, now we have the capability of seeing more to avoid more uh, issues. But even if this is true, right, that, that this phenomenon is happening, what's the, what's the, what's, what would make it ha- be more likely to happen inside of the Bermuda Triangle than anywhere else? It's a possibility that's a wave spot for uh, the winds or 
But water. We, but we know how the air currents flow, right? We we know we we understand the air currents, right? We know where the jet streams are. What 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 would be happening here to create to, to create this phenomenon? And they don't. I don't think the article says anything about about why that might be, does it? Mm. No, I mean, Office like, uh, of course, there are uh, localized uh, weather conditions that sure. cause uh, strange things to happen. But those can happen but, anywhere. Uh, they, they they haven't done their work to, uh, uh, as uh, as I understand uh, what this article is saying, they haven't really done enough uh, looking into it to uh, even find out whether this kind of weather pattern uh, is more common over the Bermuda Triangle or not. So this is from 2016. This article. So they've had they've had four years to to prove it. Have they made any 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 uh um have they made any headway? Um, you know, I haven't looked into that. Um, It'd be interesting. I, my guess would be no. <laughs> be my guess too. Be my guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I I just wonder if it, it, it if it's a type of microburst or you know if it's something else. But what what is happening that creates this phenomena, and why would it be more likely to be in that area? And like you say, since the 1950s. You know, uh, since we can track stuff much better, we the, all of a sudden the, we don't. You know, the you know triangle is not such a thing anymore. Now that we can track stuff, interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, kind of the same reason you don't see a lot of uh, uh, Bigfoot pictures or videos anymore, right? Sure. Maybe Bigfoot was just a monkey. Well, I think we should keep on on. I think that, uh, and maybe we'll finish up with this um, uh, about a plane. It's called the Caspian Sea Monster, and they, I was telling Mac. I said, "Mac, I, 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 this should you should have you should have been the one to put this in here." Yeah, I never saw this article. Yeah, right up your alley, though, isn't it? It's yeah, right up our alley. <laughs> I don't know if we want to know what's up your alley. No, no you don't. No. <laughs> Watch a 380 ton Caspian Sea Monster plane emerge from the water. For the first time in thirty years, so th- this is a um, this is a plane that is it, it calls it part boat, part plane, part Loch Ness monster. It's called a Loon class. Uh, I can't say this. Ekranoplan. What is it? Ekranoplan. Ekranoplan. This what this what this what this vehicle does is it skims along the water between three and uh, three and nineteen feet, three and sixteen feet. And it um it is it, able in it so so it flies extremely low, and it can go up to about 340 miles per hour, and has six large anti-ship missiles that it can fire. So it can it it can fly low and in and attack a vessel and kind of get out of the way. And because of because of where it's flying, it's going to be harder for radar to see it because it's flying so low to the waves and stuff like that. This vehicle was first entered service in 1987. And uh, so, Mac, you were saying that 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 this was the first vehicle of its kind that was actually d- designed as a, as a actually um, uh, a fighting vehicle. It's 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 a little bit different from your standard uh, amphibious plane in a couple of different ways. The two ways, first of all, the amphibious plane is designed to land on the water, but not necessarily skim over the surface of the water. And this is designed to fly very very low even touching the water at times. Um, the Something other thing like is, the Spruce Goose. Sorry? Something like the Spruce Goose. Well, that was designed to actually fly across oceans. It just didn't. It just was too heavy for for engines at that time to lift. I mean, the Spruce Goose was powered by props. It wasn't powered by jet engines. Yeah, this is, this is powered by jet engines. Interestingly enough, yeah. to me, it looks like the engines are in the front of the plane. 
Yeah, it's what I'm seeing here too. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that's different is that you know there were armed amphibious planes during World War II uh, and you know other conflicts, but they were not designed to be armed. They were more designed to be transport and cargo, and the arming of the plane was just to give it a little bit of extra protection. This thing is a, it's a war machine. It looks like it. I also find it fascinating that the uh, tail is actually wider than the wingspan. Yeah, that is that is fascinating. I, I wonder if that might that could that part of that be the way the 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 picture was taken? It's hard to say. It doesn't tell yeah. us. It doesn't tell I us the wing. About that, but it doesn't look like sig- like perspective is a significant yeah, part of that. Maybe not. I mean, it does look like the like the the tail. So the wingspan on this is 148 foot. Yeah, and, and but they don't tell us for the tail section that you're right that the tail section looks like it's wider. It's marginally wider. It's possible that it is the same width as the as the wings, but it's definitely not narrower the wings. No, not definitely not. I was thinking that maybe it's the same, but what, there's another picture that makes it look way way larger. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's it's a very very somebody airplanes generally follow. Mm-hmm a kind of a set design plan without a lot of variation because we know how the aerodynamics work. So pretty much your jetliners have swung back, swung back wings with engines on them, or they have an engine in the tail, but they've got swung back wings that are far wider than the tail. Somebody, whoever designed this, Mm. he stepped completely out of standard, uh, standard aircraft design and did something new. Okay, but they knew what they were doing because because what it says is by well, they taking totally knew what they were doing by taking advantage of an aeronautic principle known as ground effect, it could it could seamlessly glide over the water without touching it. It is a nifty characteristic of the econoplan econoplane, aka ground effective vehicle, which skims the surface of the water at a height of three to sixteen feet, um, making them difficult to detect by radar. Um, and perfect for seaboard attacks. The mammoth aircraft could even take off and land during turbulent weather while facing waves of up to eight feet. That's that's incredible. That you know. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's um, the the one thing I'm not seeing in the article here, and maybe you can answer this. It said that they pulled it from the Caspian Sea. I I, I guess what I don't know is was it sunk or was well, it just stored? I can't I can't figure that out. They said that they mothballed it. In um, around 1990, when the uh, when the USSR w- broke up, so okay. when it when it was Off, dissolved, it sounds it was like it was just parked in the Caspian Sea. Well, it, but but parked, I think that I, I think it was underwater. Um, I, I is what it seemed to imply. They it they used um, or let's see, how, they it took quite a bit of um, it took 14 hours. Um, it see, it says no easy feat. Um, oh, super uh, plane Carl, weighed yeah. 380 tons and had a wingspan of 148 feet wingspan. The mammoth effort took 14 hours and required careful coordination of several vessels along with assistance of, of rev, rubber flotation devices. So I, I don't know if it was sunk or not. I yeah. imagine it was, right? I, I, I'm trying to imagine that they, that they, you know, they really didn't want this to get into somebody else's hands. Um, yeah, but usually there's a particular term for when they for when they sink a ves- a vehicle or a vessel, and that's well, they, not they, uh, they didn't sink it actually. 
they had basically abandoned it uh, okay. on the beach uh, where it had broken down after the, the, the project had ended and uh, followed the Soviet Union. And, of course, it's sitting on a beach. Uh, beaches tend to shift. So it basically got got swept out and half buried. Okay. Okay. It was just basically uh, abandoned. Uh, it, there's really no technology that's super bright about, about the, uh, the chronoplane there. Uh, in fact, it was abandoned because it was totally unstealthy. Uh, when it's roaring across the uh, sea, it leaves this huge vapor uh, water trail shooting 200 feet into the air. Oh, so it has a huge wake. Advertises its location. Wow. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> so the wake is so the wake is invisible. Well, it wouldn't be. I, I bet you. I wonder if it would be so invisible if it's leaving a wake that is that dramatic. That that might get picked up on radar. Yeah, no, it, it's picked up on radar quite nicely. <laughs> Yeah. What the hell is that? That's a, <laughs> it. Was that's a, a, a conure. Oh, the conure. He's been, he's been pretty well behaved. Until now. Now he's done. It's a cool looking plane, though. <laughs> but yes, I, it is. Is it loud? As usual, somebody who just happened to be in the room of somebody around us is much more knowledgeable than we are. That's okay. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I th- I'm, I'm sort of an av- aviation nut. Right, but here's it the thing: was, is that, it, was, it was sort of cool, but you couldn't use it in rough seas at all. Well, it says that you could, though. That's that's one of the things it's saying. It's saying that uh, eight foot yeah. waves. I mean, eight foot waves are pretty significant, aren't they? What's this? This the 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 article says that it was that you could use this in up to eight foot waves. It was used on the Caspian Sea, so it's not like it's in you know in the Atlantic or something. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Eight so foot waves. I could see it handling that, but anything more? What? Yeah. yeah, that's what it's saying. You know, but the, so the, but the, what they are saying is that that people are looking at this technology: China, Singapore, Russia, and I guess as there's a Singapore company, Widget Works, that has already generated a loon prototype. Uh, so I don't know. So so other people are looking at this technology. Yeah. Is that kind of like skunk works? I have no idea. Okay. And I'm not sure either. It, that's just what the, the article refers to. Yeah, it, it would be basically useless on the Pacific. I mean, eight-foot swells on the Pacific is basically calm seas. Right, that's, <laughs> that's normal, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I wonder, it, though, if part of the effect, um, you know, of, of this huge wake coming behind it, I'm wondering if there might not have been some, some psychological uh, effect on that. <laughs> Maybe. Because, you know... When we see something coming and leaving an eight-foot wake, we tend to expect that to be something that's dangerous. Anyway, so this is going to a museum um, in the Soviet Union that they're calling Patriot Patriot Park. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's it's still a cool looking plane. I, I I guess there's a lot of history and a lot of things that, that were not being told by this article as to whether or not it was actually functional. Right? Would it would it work as it, it worked as advertised? It it doesn't tell us that for sure. Well, they they have videos of it actually. In Do action. they? Oh yeah, that's what I want to see. So, you you know uh, you know avionics uh, aviation. We were talking about the Spruce Goose earlier and how that was built to be a, uh, a basically a, a transport across oceans, but you know, but it, it, essentially ended up flying once, flying like. Uh, 90 feet or so. 
Yeah, it managed to get off the water for about 90 feet, and then it went down. Uh, it just didn't have enough engine power. Yeah, sure. and we, they didn't have enough engine power at that time to lift something that large. Yeah, the fact and there was off the ground all, it. on it, too, because it, it was made of wood. So yeah. it, could, it, it just couldn't uh, throw <clears> on more <throat> engines. Nor could they have necessarily stuck on you know, jet engines, which would have been more powerful, but would have ripped the wings off. <laughs> or set them on fire. And it was made of wood because he couldn't get enough aluminum to make it out of. Yeah. Or time economy. Hmm. Yep. I found a I found a video. Oh, cool. All right. Anyway, we, we should probably we should probably wrap this up. We've gone long enough. We had some good times. Talked about some sex yep. toys. Talked about some planes. We didn't talk yep. about sex toys on planes, but you know, we can get to that next time. Is there anything else we need to cover? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we can uh, move uh, the rest of the stuff to, to next week so we don't have to do as much work. That sounds great to me. Well, if we move it to and I may be able to con David. I may be able to con David into sitting about and helping us with the planes next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. everybody. That is another one in the camp. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Sharealike No Derivatives 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.